Life and Wisdom Speaks podcast on Laws of Life with your host and mindset transformational life coach, Barb Cole. This is where we talk about the life cycle from the beginning to the end of time. We discuss parenting, love, family, relationships, and more with special guests from all walks of life. Keeping it real, raw, and uncut. So sit back and sip your favorite drink as we bring you an inspiring hour of deep stories, thought-provoking insight, wisdom, and laughter that will transform your life's journey towards a different mindset. This is the Life and Wisdom Speaks Podcast. Here's Barb. All right, guys, we are live. All right, all right, all right. Hello, everyone. I want to thank all of my listeners, my audience for tuning in today to this live podcast in reference to Life and Wisdom Speaks Laws of Life. I'm super excited to have the dads that have taken this opportunity to be on this podcast with me to talk about their journey as fathers, their, how they've incorporated being a dad into their day-to-day existence. Uh, I'm going to let each of one of my guests introduce themselves, but just to give you a little insight as to what I'm doing here and why. Um, truth be told, I didn't realize it was Father's Day, but this is coming at a great opportunity right here before Father's Day. But I want to share with our audience that, you know, dads play a, a, a pivotal part of in a child's life in growing up. There's no way around it. Uh, a lot of times people look at, you know, the fun part of, of, of in conceiving a baby. That's all it's all about. But that's not. It's more to than that particular episode in that journey. Because once you have been blessed to have a child, to bring forth a child, your job has changed tremendously. It's not just about, you know, having a kid. You got to put in the work for that child because that child has to grow up to become an adult and to repeat that same life cycle of getting out here in the world and doing what they need to do. So I want to share this and give and share with you guys from the male perspective. I'm not a dad, so I can't share it to you from that perspective. My dad is already gone. You know, he's done his job and he's gone. But we still have dads out here that have jobs to do. And that's what these guys are here to do is share what it is to earn that title called father. You can be a dad all day long, but you got to earn that. And it doesn't, it doesn't just start at that one time. It, it goes on and on and on. Dads are at different places in their life. You know, some dads are not even a part of the children's life. Some dads are already deceased and gone. They're not able to be a part of the kid's life. Sometimes you have to come in. They may have a stepfather that takes the place of the dad. That's okay, as long as somebody steps to the plate. There may be uncles or other family members who are male influences in the family to help these children as they grow in life. So again, guys, I can talk a lot. I'm going to go ahead and stop at this point and go ahead and let my let my dads introduce themselves to each of you. And then we're going to go from there. All right. And we're going to start with my first guest, my dad, Shane. Can you tell us who you are, Shane, and all this good stuff about you? Hey there. I am a dad of uh, twin toddlers, and I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. Um, I am a stay-at-home dad. I work uh, from home uh, primarily as an ADHD life coach. And, you know, I have, you know, my kids were born at 27 weeks premature. And so I've been having to deal with 
all of the ramifications that come from that. And um, I'm just, I'm really happy to be here and I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk about my kids. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate that. Uh, Sebra, tell us who you are and what you do and all that kind of good stuff as a dad. Sure. My name is Stephen Worthy. Uh, I'm a dad of, of two teenagers. Uh, my daughter is 14 and my son is 16. Um, my son's going into his sophomore year in high school and my daughter's going into her freshman year in high school. So this is a very pivotal time for them going into uh, these next three or four years for both of them. Um, I'm trying to be everywhere for them. I'm trying to be uh, dad, chauffeur, coach, uh, anything that I need, any hat that I need to put on. I'm, I'm trying to trying to be that for them. Um, I'm also a podcaster. I, uh, I host a co-host a show uh, called Firm Fatherhood with a good friend of mine, Herman Trask. And we're just trying to get out there and give the fathers a safe place and a platform to come and speak, uh, speak their piece and share experiences with one another and uh, get better at this thing. So right. uh, thanks for having me, Barb. I'm here to, to help. I appreciate that. Thanks so much, Sebram. I appreciate that. And Mr. Fred, tell us what you do and who you are and all that kind of good stuff about your children. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Fred Scott. Um, I'm a father of seven. I got 18, four, oldest one going to be a senior. And I just started over re recently. So uh, <laughs> I also coach middle school basketball, um, girls and boys basketball for our local middle school. Uh, I, I work um, a nine to five. I'm area field manager for U-Haul and I'm also a co-host um, on what's happening with uh, a good friend of mine, Bradley Robinson. Uh, where we just talk about kind of any and everything. Um, we do interviews as well. So just taking a, a different different outlook on it. Um, like I told him, I joined him on the podcast. It started because we, we uh, were just good friends talking every day at work and we felt like it should be shared. But for me, I felt like it could be something for my kids later on when I'm gone, when they want to hear my voice, hopefully these podcasts are still accessible to them. Right. And maybe I, I touched on a subject that can help them through something they're going through that, at that point in life when I'm no longer here. So um, that's why I do it. But uh, that's who I am. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Dr. Greg Woodard, tell us who you are and what you bring to the table. Well, first of all, please call me Greg. Um, OK, Greg. I'm a husband uh, to Vicki, uh, 24 years, father of two. I have a, uh, a daughter who turned 23 today and was engaged uh, to be married just a couple weeks ago. This up in Virginia Beach. Uh, David, my son, is 19. And he's serving in Cambodia. With He's a missionary in Cambodia. Uh, we live in, in Eastern North Carolina on board uh, Marine Corps Base Capajun. I'm a Navy, active duty Navy chaplain, um, from which I'll be retiring next year. Um, certified life uh, leadership and Enneagram coach. I hold a doctor of ministry from Regent University in Virginia Beach. And uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation this evening. All right. Thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you. And Michael, tell us what you do. I know I think you remember, I remember you, we talked and you said you had retired. So tell us what you're doing now. I'm a retired police sergeant. I was injured in the line of duty a number of years ago. And uh, my story with my kids 
is very, very important to me because they helped me walk out of the wheelchair that I was uh, diagnosed to be in. I am reinventing my life and do uh, being a podcaster. And uh, I host a podcast called One More Thing Before You Go, which was also inspired by my kids. Uh, I have two daughters. One is uh, 32, one is 30. And uh, I have a lovely wife of 33 years. She's my second marriage, but she is my uh, love of my life and has been through this journey with me as well. So now I motivate, inspire, and educate other people that there's always one more thing and that the light at the end of the tunnel is always open. Oh, great, great. I'm glad to have you on too, Michael. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. I know we talked a lot, you know, beforehand and kind of talked a little about what this is, this podcast is going to be about this episode. So, and I did, you know, share some questions with you guys that uh, I want to kind of bring up, but I'm going to put one of my questions here um, for, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it out to you guys. Tell us what went through your mind and how you felt when you first found out that you were going to be a dad. That might be taking you guys back to a place that, you know, you might be smiling. You might say, you know what, I was in shock. I, I didn't know what to say, but I'm going to start with uh, Michael. Can you share your thoughts when you first found out you were going to be a dad? It was the uh, the second best day in my life. Um, <laughs> first one was meeting my wife in order to, to, uh, for her to be able to tell me that, but yes, I was ecstatic. Um, I, I was actually on duty and uh, oh. people were calling in and asking me, the uh, chief while I was outside hugging and swinging a blonde around in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it actually was my wife telling me that she was pregnant for the first time. So wow. uh, it was an ecstatic feeling. I really enjoyed it. That's great. That's great. Greg, it's your turn. Tell me about you. Oh, so I got married when I was 31, so that puts me a little bit behind the, the power curve. We were, um, my wife was, uh, within the first uh, 14 months of marriage, we had our first baby, uh, who was Liana. Um, I, I was in the, I was in the birth room for both of my children. Um, Liana, uh, Liana came out perfectly healthy. Uh, I remember taking both of them in my arms. Leanna came out perfectly healthy, never had an issue. David, they put me, put him in his, in his, um, they put him in my arms, and then they say, you know, we need to put him under this tent. So then David went off to uh, intensive care. Oh wow! Uh, as a little one, uh, but then recovered fully and, and, and is, uh, has grown up to be a, a fine young man. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm uh, working hard not to become weepy. This is one of those experiences I think that any father um, there's something special, and I and imagine Fred, you've gone through this a number of times. Seven children, wow! Uh, I I just stopped it too. So um, that's that's yeah. I, I mean, I could I could go on and on. That's that's where I'm at with with yeah. the birth of my kids. Well, that's got to be a great experience, you know, especially when you had your son and, and you were concerned, but it, it was his season. It was his time to be here. So regardless of what was going on, it was his time to be here. You know, I share with people that birth starts when they take that first cry out and, and take in the breath of life. That's when their journey starts and yours change. 
because that's when you have to figure out, okay, I have to incorporate this child into my everyday existence. I can't put him on the shelf and come and get it when I want to. He's a part of my everyday or she's a part of my everyday from this day forward. And we know when they become adults, it doesn't stop. Matter of fact, you pick up a whole new plate of things that you have to address. So it, it doesn't change. So, hey, Fred, I'm going to move on and, and uh, get with you and let you tell us how you felt. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm first going to say, um, you know, I, I look at them as all mine, but um, I took on three with my relationship. So okay. um, just so, you know, when you said a number of times, I've only had four natural experiences. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, the first time I, I was only 24, 25 uh, going on and, you know, we took a walk on the pier. And I think for her, she didn't really know how I was going to take it, you know, because it was my first child. Um, and, and I just reassured her, like, hey, we in this together, you know, it, it, it's done. You know, ain't nothing to worry about. Ain't no, you know, extra reaction. It's, it's what it is, you know what I mean? And I, I got to I gotta stick to it. So, um, right. it, and it was a joyful moment. I knew it would be great for my mom, you know. Um, I, I made it past the status quo. I made it to 25 and I found, you know what I'm saying, uh, my fiance that I, I really loved and enjoyed. So I, I think it was perfect, you know, and I, and I always felt that I was going to have a big family because of um, some influencers that I had in my life. I had an uncle who um, took on my auntie who ended up having seven kids all together, you know, with my uncle um, finishing out with the three they had and i always admired him for that so i, I seen it coming you know i think i want to say from a, a teenage age that i i would have a, a big blended family and so um fast forward to making it to the you know hospital on delivery day um I actually was just relaxed, sitting in the chair. My mom made it up, you know, her and my grandma, they sat in uh, for my first child with me. So it was it was definitely a memorable moment. I almost overslept, but my mom, um, she wasn't having it. <laughs> she wasn't gonna let me make it that, that far uh, into the, the process without being there, but I was there the whole way, cut the umbilical cord. Um, I see, I seen my defensive side coming in because, uh, of course it was my first child. So when she came out and, you know, he kind of grabbed her head, like he was receiving a hike from a center and twisted. I, Whoa. Hey, 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 you know? So <laughs> I seen that, you know, off, off, off top that I was like, okay, yeah, my, mm -hmm. it's my little girl. And I, I see right I, now, hey, hey, watch out. <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah. uh, that, that was my first experience, and it was it was great. That was great. Yeah, that's that daddy instinct. It kicked in instantly, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't feel that. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute, hold up there. That's mine. Yeah. yeah. And I admire dads that take on the blended family. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes we have to come in as a stepdad or, you know, uncles or, or, you know, family members that are influencers that kind of participate with our children. It's just, it just, it's all part of the plan. It was, it was like you said, you already knew way back when that you were going to do the same thing too. And you have seven kids that you are part of their life. So thank you for sharing that with us. Okay. Now, Mr. Sebram, tell us your story. Mm -hmm. 
Well, um, I can say that I guess I was um, excited and terrified uh, at the same time. Um, I remember being told, you know, that uh, that she was pregnant. Um, I, I think I was fortunate. I, I had a great support system in my parents, uh, my sister, my brother. Um, they were there with me the the entire way through. Uh, my father just kind of giving me tips all the way through it, uh, all the way up until the day my son was born. Um, uh, and I'll never forget it. it was like a Sunday night. Um, and my son is, uh, he's named after me. He's the third. Uh, so to hold him in my arms that first time and, and look my son in his eye and, and, you know, him having the same name as me, it just, it changed everything. It changed yeah. everything going forward. Uh, you know, maturity level, my thought process, uh, career wise, it just changed everything. Uh, and for the better at that. So, um, uh, one of the two best days of my life. And then the second day, of course, my, my daughter being born. So, um, I, I'll never forget that night. Uh, that will forever be ingrained in my heart and in my mind. Uh, so going forward and everything's going great so far. That's good. That's good. You've taken that journey and you're moving right along with it. You guys seem to be doing it the greatest of ease. And, you know, that's a blessing to be able to do that. Like I said, some dads are afraid of that that journey. They don't think that they can step up to the plate and be a good dad, a good father. You just got to get in there and do it. It's like, you know, trying to learn how to ride a bike. You're going to learn how to ride it. You're going to keep falling off. But you get back up and you do what you have to do. So we just do what we have to do. And Mr. Shane, come on, share with us. I know you got your little ones and you got some teenagers too, right? Yeah. Um, I hope you all don't mind. I, I kind of have two stories. Um, okay. So when my first wife told me about um, my oldest son, you know, it was a shock because we weren't, you know, we weren't really planning it. I was 21 years old. I, I just got done with a whole lot of craziness in my life. I was um i was going to seminary in my church learning um to become a associate pastor and you know we weren't married you know at the time and of course you know my leadership team were like hey you know you need to get married you're kind of doing this thing and i'm like okay and then i was like oh you're pregnant and then my leadership team was like hey um we gotta have this discussion and i was like oh yeah and so i you know i never had a doubt about stepping up and stepping into it like but it was such a surprise. Um, you know, I, I was a childhood, my childhood was, you know, my dad was really abusive. So I had that big fear, you know, am I going to be like my dad, you know? And um, so there was a lot of fear for, uh, for me to be better, you know, to, to live up to a different standard, to, um, to push myself to be, to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, my second child, she was absolutely amazing. And, you know, I never had any problems with the, the finding out. It was always a, a joy to find out. Um, there's a lot of issues there, a lot of mistakes that I, w- I did wind up making. But uh, once I met my second wife, she, we, we really were going to take our times. We weren't really even going to uh, plan on anything until we got to a certain point in our relationship. Um, we got married and a few years later uh we're getting ready to uh uh go to her parents house to you know get ready for christmas holiday and she comes in and she goes hey i wanted to give you your christmas present early i hope you don't mind i left it on your desk and she was 
completely blase about it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I, I, you know, I, you know, this is not an abnormal thing. So I didn't have any clue what was about to happen. And I opened it up and it was that, you know, the pregnancy test. And it was, oh, it was three pregnancy tests all lined up and they all had identical lines. And she was like, oh, and I said, I was looking, are you serious? And she was like, there's three tests there. What do you think? I'm like, and I was just, I was elated, you know, I was elated. Um, my wife, my wife, she's a special needs teacher. She's been doing it for 20 years. Uh, she's been my rock and it's, I've, it's been a joy being in this relationship with her. And so, um, you know, and then a month later we were like, okay, we're going to go get the sonogram done. Yay. And we kind of announced it to the family. And then, you know, they were super excited. We're going to have a baby. And then we get to the, uh, we get to the sonogram place and they're like, oh, you know, that's really cool. You see the head here and the head here. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> we both looked at you and said, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, neither one of us had any, we like, we don't have a history of twins. It was just, you know, one of those things that happened. And we were like, oh, sh and like, even to, to, today every now and then like they do something really crazy like spill like concentrated bubble uh liquid on the carpet uh two days ago and we're just like oh there's two of them um, <laughs> and um but the you know we really started we have a huge support system really strong parent figures really strong um you know external uh, family influences and stuff like that. And we were getting ready. We had all of our stuff going on. And um, six months into the pregnancy, um, my wife wasn't feeling good. Um, no, five months into the pregnancy. Sorry, guys. Um, she wasn't feeling good. And she was like, hey, I'm going to go to the I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I may not feel good. I'm, I may go to the doctor um, later on today after school. And I said, Hey, if you're not feeling good. And it was like 7 a.m. I was like, if you're not feeling good, go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And so she went to the doctor and the doctor admitted her into the hospital. Oh, wow. And so there was, um, so there was some major issues going on. Um, she wound up getting discharged from the hospital. They were, you know, and they, um, they were able, she, she almost went into labor. Um, and they had a, um, uh, they're required by law to have a very frank discussion if the pregnancy is before 24 weeks about the, um, about the dangers, right? you know, um, and, and what that means and what our, um, options are, um, between the, um, 23rd to 26th week and that was a hard discussion right i can tell right now shane that that right there is still a very sensitive thing to even think about you know but you know they were meant to be here but 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 the beauty is they are here yeah um they made that cry they cried out they took their breath of life they are here yeah um uh, they were able, the doctors did an amazing job. They were able to, um, um, uh, about a week and a half later, my wife was feeling, wasn't feeling good again. So she immediately went to the hospital and, um, you know, they thought it was kind of the same situation. I went ahead and went up there. I was getting ready to pick her up. 
you know, because they thought, you know, all right, another false flag or, you know, or false, you know, um, uh, call. Okay, cool. And then the, 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 the physician comes in and he's like, okay, we're just going to check you out before we check you out. And he was laughing and gig, uh, laughing and everything. And the, the nurse who was uh, kind of uh, helping him, she kind of, she, you know, she did the te- check and she kind of got that funny look on her face and she goes, Hey, can you double check that? And he, uh, you know, he, he did the check too. And he goes, huh, okay. Well, uh, you know, just let y'all know y'all aren't going anywhere. We're going to get you in the emergency or uh, a delivery right now. Oh, wow. And it wow. was, it, I mean, 24 minutes later, my kids were born. Look at you. Wow. You. And Ooh. they they screamed and hollered when they came out. You know, it was. Yeah, a, yeah it was. Um, yeah. Strong, was a, strong screaming. Yeah, it was a C-section. They were so small. Guys, they were like 12 inches long and, and two pounds, two and a half pounds each. And. You know, we didn't get to hold them for uh, 48 hours because they had to go into the NICU, and um, but uh, they're good. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of complications that come from that. Um, the, my daughter has a um, um, a, a minor um, cerebral palsy uh, diagnosis, and uh, but they're amazing. Uh, they 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 laugh. They they have a lot of fun. They just uh, recently got evaluated for pre-K, so that's um, great. Yeah, and they turned three on the fourth. Um, Look at so, you, Shane. See, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we, we all deal with challenges with our kids. Mm-hmm. Some, some maybe worse than others, but they're still our children, and we have to walk through that journey with them because it is their journey. We don't know; they don't know. It's just a part of life. But the beauty of it all is they took their first cry. They took in the breath of life. They're here for a purpose. They have a divine purpose. Don't know yet, but they're going to walk into it. And you're going to help them get there. That's your job. That's your job. <laughs> okay, guys, this is my next question here for you. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges to parenting today? I want to ask you guys that. And I know you guys will see this in different places because you're at different places of, uh, you know, raising your children. But I'm going to start out with Greg. And you can kind of tell us where you are with that or what you've seen. Yeah, so, well, I can tell you that. So I, my crowd that I work with in my in my professional life is is in the age range of my children. 18 to 25 is the median age mm-hmm. of the enlisted military. Uh, well, actually, all the military officers included. So I think with my kids, um, I think my son especially struggled with social media. You know, everybody's life is perfect. And it's amazing how, how, how grand whoever it is that you follow, how everything that they post is, is about something that's going great in their life. Mm-hmm. What never gets posted is the challenges of their life. Mm-hmm. So all we ever see is the, is, is, is the best. And, and I think, so I think it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges with, um, they're, 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 they don't, a lot of times they've grown up, and I think the last two years with the pandemic exacerbated this. They've grown up without social skills and without, um, you know, I, I grew up, I, I my mom sent me out the door. I went outside and I didn't come home till, she says, just be home before dark. Now it's almost like you got to push your kids. I had to push my children at different points in their life out outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's, a, uh, th- there's a different way that they respond to authority. 
I served in the military at a younger age and I've come back now. And so I've, I've seen the environment. Well, this is going to date me 30 years ago when I came into service. And then now as, in, as I've been back as a chaplain, I've seen it. I've seen the difference in the way that the young people respond. Right. Um, the, you know, it's, everything's very quick. Uh, media is very quick and they're used to these really, really fast moving uh, online and even on, on TV shows, it's very, very quick. Um, they know so much. There's the, the information deluge that we live with uh, right. today is, is, I mean, I grew up with, a, with my dad got a newspaper in the morning. We got a newspaper in the evening and we watched the evening news. And that's where we got our news. And maybe once in a while the radio would be on. Now it's 24-7 news. So there's no question about how much more they know than what we know. And I don't know if that's always a good thing for them. Correct. They, I think they lose their innocence. Mm -hmm. early. early, early. See, I'm going to get you to chime in on that question, too. Uh, you know what, Barbara? It's one of the biggest. Yes. Okay. Uh, one one of the biggest difficulties I I, I believe or the challenges is uh, a lot. What Greg was just saying, uh, social media makes it difficult to be uh, that main source of information that you would like your kids to have before they hit the world, before they hit everybody else. You like them to get your perspective on things and have a little bit of understanding of things before they come home and kind of give it to you. And that's usually not how it goes at this day and time. They usually come home with something that you didn't think you were going to broach uh, at 13, 14 years old, but you're going to have to sit down and have that discussion. It's been a lot of difficult questions and conversations that we had that I didn't think we were going to have until later on down the road and just, just not the case. So, um, with the temperature of what's going on and um, the unfortunate situation what happened in the school uh, a few days back and um, it, it's just it, you really should never have to fear about your kids going to school um, mm -hmm. but nowadays you do so you really try to arm your kids but just with as much information as you possibly can um, and, and hope to God that they're listening and paying attention and you know and just do the best that you can because like i said uh you know my daughter has come home with conversations and topics uh that i just did i just didn't see happening i just didn't see it coming and uh as difficult as it was for me to have those particular types of conversations uh i had to kind of take us back and be like okay uh this may not have been something i learned until i was a little older but uh for for my daughter's well-being, I think it's something that we need to talk about. Uh, so you have to kind of make that call, make that decision, uh, and do the best you can to arm them with, with everything that they need in this world today. Right, right. You said, you said a mouthful. Because, again, it is your position as the father to step to the plate and help guide right. them. Because the streets will teach them one thing. Social media will teach them one thing. The peer, the, the peer pressure... The world itself has showed them so much to they can't be but confused. They can't be but confused. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we as the parents, that is our job. You can't be intimidated by it and feel like because they did it like this, they did it like that. I should stand back and let let them do what they want to do. That is our 
that is our job as parents to kind of give them some direction. Now, there are things that happened back in the day, and I can attest to that, that we may not be able to do in this day and time because it's not applicable. You know, back in the day, you know, kids didn't get a chance to be involved with all that. Like Greg mentioned, we didn't have access to all that. You had the TV and you had some simple channels for eight, 11, whatever, and you had the newspaper. And that's where you got it from. So with that, you got what you needed from your parents. You sit down and have a conversation at Sunday dinner. You know, I have to share that with my daughter. On Sundays, when everybody slowed down and you cooking dinner, sit down with my grandson. I call him Cowboy. Sit down with Cowboy and have a conversation. Ask him how things went for him, you know, during the week or that evening, what went happened during the day. Just kind of find out what's going on in his world because he has a world that he goes out to every day. And if you don't know what's going on with him and what he's dealing with, stuff can just slide under the radar and you never know about it until it's too late. Until it's way too late. So I'm gonna jump off of that one there. Tomorrow, it's really, it, it, Go ahead, Sebra. Sebra, what were I you saying? I was gonna say really important what you just said is to ask that question. Sometimes after I, I was saying it's really important to ask that question, you know, how everything is going. I, I remember asking that question sometimes just after a normal day of school, and I ask it all the time. And some days it's all oh, nothing. And then some days, you know, they're chewing my ear off. They're telling me all kind mm -hmm. of different things just because I asked that question. So it is mm -hmm. important to ask that question. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think sometimes the children are afraid to open up because in the back of their minds, they know something that they've experienced is not right. So they're uncomfortable in talking right. about it. You know, and like I talked to Cowboy and my granddaughter, I call her Cindy Lopper. They all got their own little, you know, cute names, I call them. And I'll ask them what what's going on. But I have to come to them in a way that I'm not being the grandmother, because if I come across as being the grandmother of the authority figure, they will not open up. I have to come to them in a way, say, girl, what happened today? Right. You have a day at school. Tell me about it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And the same thing with Cowboy. What mm -hmm. happened? At school? You know, what did you have for lunch? So he loves to eat. When I talk about lunch, that opens up the door. Once he talk about what he ate for lunch, then he'll start talking about everything else. But you got to find that place where they're most comfortable and they feel like talking to you and sharing what's going on in their world. So thank you guys for sharing that. So, hey, I'm going to jump over here to Michael. Michael, did I ask you this question yet? I don't think I have. You have not. All right. Um, my perspective on it uh, might be a little, I guess, different. I had the advantage and my kids had the advantage. They won't probably admit this as an advantage <laughs> of growing up in a, uh, a law enforcement environment. So they grew up with me being a law enforcement officer. Their god their godparents were in law enforcement. Um, most of the, the individuals that we associated with were law enforcement or firefighters. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it's just like uh, with Greg, you know, uh, I had I had my first we had our first kid um, when I was 31 years old. So at that time, um, social media wasn't really around and it wasn't up. So we, and growing up in a dysfunctional family myself, uh, and the job that I was in and working in domestic violence task force for a number of years, uh, it taught me the importance of communication. So with what Severin said and Greg and Shane and, and you, uh, and I'm sure everybody on this panel, uh, communication is a key to success in, in helping your kids understand, thrive and move forward. So, from our perspective, we uh, the challenges our our kids grew up with 
were a little bit different um, than than the ones growing up today, because they they weren't influenced by social media. They were influenced by schools. They were influenced by peers. They were influenced by that atmosphere or television, or what we communicated around the dinner table. Um, I think that the challenges that have grown out of the pandemic and grown out of the violence, the gun violence, and everything that's taking place in today's society, that really um, has an impact on these children's lives mm -hmm. at such a point that sometimes they don't know where to turn or they don't know how to ask or they don't know what to ask. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think those kind of challenges have presented themselves. Um, but from my perspective, I've learned that communication is still a key factor in helping your kids through that because no matter what age they are, again, I, as I said earlier, my kids are 32 and 30. Mm -hmm. They still are afraid. They are still nervous. They are still um, unsure of their decisions. They are still struggling. They are still trying to make a living. They are still trying to move forward in a relationship. So those challenges grow as they get older. Correct. So, yeah, as like you said earlier, you're once a parent, you're always a parent. That's right. You know, That's right. we have, have constant communication with our kids. I talk to our um, both my daughters on a, on a regular basis, um, if not every day, just to make sure they're doing okay mental health wise. They're doing okay physically. They're doing okay financially. Um, and that's just stuff that I had learned. And they paid that back to me tenfold, which we'll get into later. But um, they, the family environment, I think, um, it, it is the best support system in the challenges that are presented with them today in communication. Right. That was great, Michael. Absolutely. That was great because you, you, hit, you hit it as well. Everything that you said, it resonates with us here and a lot of other parents that are tuning into this episode here. It definitely resonates with that. Um, and you're right. Just because they're in their 30s don't mean it's over. It's a whole different slate of challenges that they deal with. And when they deal with it, you deal with it. You can't say, well, you know, you're grown now. Bye. No, it doesn't work like that. Matter of fact, my adult kids call me more. They call me more. And I do talk to them every day. And I had to tell them today, today is not a good day. I'm busy. I'm busy with the dad. So you guys can tune in, but I'm busy today. But uh, every day they have something that's going on that seems to be so challenging to them. And I sit back and think, like, did I do that? You know? Did I did every day that I have to wear my mom and dad out with things like that? I guess I did, you know, because my dad was always there for me. He, he was a strong uh, uh, person in my life. He taught me a lot. My dad taught me at an early age how to handle the budget. I remember as a kid growing up and he said, you know, Barb, I need you to, you know, sit down here. It was a Friday. And that's how we did. We sit down on Fridays and go over the budget because he'd get paid. He said, did you sit down here and figure out what bills to pay? And I'm looking at him like. I, I'm not but 12. I don't want to do this. And he said, I want you to sit down and learn how to handle the budget. I was hot, hot, irritated. But I, in that day and time, you couldn't let your parent know if you were irritated with something, you roll with it. But I learned at early age how to take ownership of things and do things that uh, really was all part of my journey. It has helped me to, to it's helped to define who I am as a person today. I am, I am very structured, 
very stressed. Sometimes people probably get irritated with that because I'm so structured, but that's how I flow. And if things are out of order, it just kind of, it just, it doesn't set well with me. It's just like my house. If my house is out of order, it doesn't set well with me. I had to put it in order to be able to put my life in order to put things in order. So I share that with my kids. Let's get things in order so we can move forward. So I'm going to get off my soapbox again, and I'm going to jump over here to Shane and let Shane tell us what he sees some of the biggest challenges to parenting today. All right. So you're going to hop off your soapbox. I'm going to jump on mine real, all right. real quick. Um, all right. So I'm going to do my best not to make this political. And I and I apologize in advance, y'all. Um, I, you know, because the biggest um, challenge that our parents are going to see uh, today is our social structure in our country. Um we have too many parents having to work uh, two and three jobs and are not able to be as in their uh, children's lives as much as they need to be. We have um, lost the community outreach and the funding for uh, social support within the different communities, um, you know, throughout every major city and every rural city in our country. Um, our education system has been changed into a an issue of forcing the schools to meet a certain criteria for standardized standardized testing to get any funding for their schools and that shifted our school's education system into moving away from creative arts moving away from um the learning about civics learning about history learning about the various different um, things that we need in our lives as we get older. We don't have as good a, a system for home uh, home ec. You remember? I, I think all of us are old enough to, old enough to remember home ec. Yeah. We don't have, you know, the schools don't have any incentive to have those kind of courses. They don't have any right. of the incentives to learn about uh, the stock exchange or our uh, government and how it's ran and how it's supposed to run and what our constitution says they don't have that same incentive for that because the schools now have to focus on um, making these uh, reaching a certain grade level on the standardized testing from elementary all the way through school our schools don't have recess our schools don't have um, psychological and health professionals who are on, able to be on staff to be able to help students who have ADHD or autism or uh, special needs get the support that they uh, need. There's nobody that's able to, um, there's no social support for kids who are going through abuse, whether that's uh, sexual, whether that's physical, whether it's mental abuse at home. There's no support for our kids and they're being thrust into the situation where there's nothing but information being shoved down their throats and right. no way to be creative. Right. There's no way to express themselves. There's no way for them to have a um, an adult in their life that they can trust to be able to ask those questions. Because again, a, a lot of our parents are having to work two and three jobs just to survive, not, much less be able to give their kids the attention that they need. Right. Right. And so that's the that's the major struggle that a lot of people are facing as far as that's uh, concerned. We have um, 
and again, I'm, I'm not going to try to make this political, but we have too many systems in place to punish our children and not enough systems in, in place to support our children. We have too many systems in place to um, that instead of educating our kids about themselves and teaching them how to learn about themselves and teaching them problem solving and critical thinking, mm -hmm. we're shoving rote learning into their faces and not giving them the resources to think for themselves. Right. And since there's no parents that are able to do that at a certain level, um, then the people who need the most are being left further and further behind. And so now we're dealing with socioeconomic situations right. where people in poverty are getting further and further behind and aren't able to get out um, of poverty. And then their kids aren't able to get out of poverty and they're stuck. And then all of these cycles of abuses that a lot of us, uh, uh, you know, a, a few of us grew up in mm -hmm. are now being made worse because none of these children are able to break that cycle of abuse because they don't know any better. They don't know how. They don't know, you know how. They never learned about it. They didn't, they don't have the resources outside of their home mm -hmm. or in the schools to be able to sit here and say, I'm, I'm dealing with this. And, okay. and, you know, we need a, we need, you know, our, we need to be able to step back and allow parents to be parents. Mm -hmm. We need to step back and allow the education system to actually show and teach and support our children. Right. And, and compliment the parents. Compliment the parents what they're trying to right. do. Right. And and we need to make sure that the parents are just as involved in the education system. Mm -hmm. Right. And they can't be. There's a, at a certain level of of uh income, there's no way for parents to be involved. And so the people who are making the decisions within our school system at a certain level don't live in poverty. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, they're disconnected from the problems. Right. Yeah. They're disconnected from the problems that people in poverty, minorities, and, and people who are marginalized deal with. Right. And there's such a divide between the, the different, um, and I'll say classes, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but there's too much divide between the two, uh, with the, between the different uh, financial uh, classes that we deal with that um, it's getting worse and worse. And if there's not a major change, then... Yeah. It's not going to get any better. It's continues to, it, it continues to do what it's doing. So thank you so much, Shane, for sharing that with us. That that was great information to share. So I'm going to jump over to Fred and let Fred answer the same question as well. You know, Fred, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges, you know, that are to parents, to parenting today? Uh, a lot of it, you know, for me is um, trying to, to get them to understand that, um, just because they peers isn't doing something or don't have to do something or don't have to learn a certain thing doesn't mean it's right or necessarily it's wrong. They always want to size themselves up with their sibling or their peers right. and try to make everything, you know, about being even Steven and you right. know, having to make them understand that hey, life ain't fair. Everything don't, mm -hmm. you know, just happen or, you know, is given to you or, you know, some things it is not for now, but it is to prepare you for later. And I, I don't expect you to understand that now, but to know that, you know, I'm just doing or have your best interest at heart, you know, because sometimes they can look at their peers 
then feel like their peers is the one that's looking out for them or the ones that's, you know, helping them when in, in actuality and reality of when you get older, you know, you, you're actually hurting them, you know, um, or they're always looking up to someone older that, you know, they feel like is doing what they want to do or, or have what they want to have. And, you know, that's not always the route to go or, or the space to be in. And Greg said it early, you know, uh, social media is just a highlight reel, you know, is mm-hmm. it, is just really just showing, you know, all the, the wins and, and not the struggles or, or what you have to go through to get there, the dedication or determination that it takes to, you know, overcome the obstacles that come your way with just everyday life. Not, you know, just going after what it is that you believe in. Um, but I, I think, it, it, you know, the biggest thing right now, and I think I, I'm looking at it because, you know, the bulk of my kids are, are teenagers right now and the other half that are still babies, you know, um, we're hoping that we're guiding and teaching them in the right way and that they're not picking up things, you know, from the older siblings. But it's it's mainly about, you know, trying to guide those older ones that's one day going to be adults out here, you know, and have to uh, conduct themselves amongst others and that they, they do it, you know, in the right manner and that you don't have to get a phone call or get, you know, um, just any type of call that, that could be, you know, life changing. And, and that's, that's what I think ultimately we're trying to prepare them for is, is you know, things that could be life changing that they don't think of now or feel that it, you know, is of importance at this age. Um, so, and that, that's the biggest thing in parenting, you know, just trying to show my kids, you know, just the basics of how to cook, how to clean, how to just take care of themselves, finance and money, you know, how to create, you know, when it's not someone giving it to you or taking care of it for you. You know, Correct. you don't want them to be uh, handicapped, as you would say, if you're not here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, the biggest thing of getting them to see, because, I, you know, it's one thing to tell them, uh, we always going to be rich. We're always going to, you know, go out here at 18. None of this that you're talking about makes any sense. Like, y'all just don't have it figured out. We got it figured out, you know. We was once some same kids, and yeah, here we are still trying. You know, it's all trial and error. There is no, you know, specific way to do it. If it was, we all would do it. Right, right. That was great, Fred. And I know, I know you. That's a challenge for you because you have kids at different ages, and like you mentioned, the the older ones they do watch the younger ones. That's always the case. They all the always- time big sister or big brother is doing and they try to do the same thing. I, I watch my grandson watch his big brother and sometimes they clash because they, I mean, every child is different. There's no cookie cutter. I don't care if they have the same parents or not. There's no cookie cutter with each child and they watch everything they see their big sister and brother do or their siblings do. And it's just, it's just the nature of, you know, the world we live in children, you know, parenting and all those kind of things. So, Thank you for sharing that. And I, I have another question. I'm going to piggyback on here and I'm going to ask you here. Uh, I'm going to remove this other one. What particular, give me one skill that, that you can share with other dads that you have implemented 
that have made a difference in how your kids act and respond to you as their father? What have you done that you see? Because you know things where you came up were different. You may have taken something from when you was a kid coming up and you may see that you can use that now and tweak it a little bit. And it does make a difference with you and raising your children as a dad. But if you can give me one thing that you see that has helped with your kids that, you know, they respond to you as their father and they they respect that and they accept that because a lot of kids, they challenge you. They don't want to hear what you got to say. They call you old fashioned or, you know, that's back in the day. You're old fashioned. My friend's dad or my friend's mom, they this, they that. But just share one thing with me, Shane. I'm going to let you start with that one. Um, my my oldest son uh, said, OK, Boomer to me one time. And it I, I'm only 40, guys. Um, it made me feel real, real bad. Um, no, uh, <laughs> the one thing that I, um, if, if I can sit here and make any suggestion to anybody about how to, um, to parent is, um, for me, growing up in a childhood of abuse, it was super important for me to um, break that cycle. And... You know, with my first two kids, I made a lot of mistakes. I was a workaholic and, and I wasn't able to be as involved in their lives as I wanted to be. And then when the divorce happened, it, it, it simply got worse and worse. Um, as I've gotten older and with learning from my wife, who, you know, has all of this experience from kids, um, the thing that I've learned the best is gentle parenting. And that's a system of parenting where um you don't spank you don't um you don't do anything that's going to harm your kids because now we know that spanking even light spanking and stuff like that causes brain damage it causes un unhealable trauma to children's brains um and what that means is there's you know, you have to relearn how to parent, um, especially if you were in my circumstances and, and no offense to any of the uh, older people, especially in the circumstances where most of us grew up in. And, um, you know, you have to provide a different type of structure. You have to make your kids understand how, that you are safe and that they can come talk to you. You talked about Miss Barb that, you know, that at, at some point they have to f uh, figure out that, you know, you're talking to them as the grandmother and not the authority figure. Um, in my world, the there can't be any difference between the two. They need to understand that I am both authority and safe because mm -hmm. I don't punish you for making mistakes. We learn from them. Right. right. I don't, I don't arbitrarily punish you if you do something that's fairly age appropriate mm -hmm. and you know, you don't know any better. Mm -hmm. It's a learning opportunity. It's a thing for us to talk, uh, talk about, but then there's also, you know, the aspect of now you still have to provide structure. You still have to provide d discipline and you still have to provide, um, um, consequences for the actions that they make. Correct. Some of those need to be natural consequences. Oh, don't jump! Uh, don't jump off the table. Oh, you jumped off the table. Oh, now your nose is bloody. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and so they they have to kind of learn how to learn from the mistakes that they make as well. And your job is to teach them that is to show them that those consequences mean that, 
And then there's the real world consequences where you have to um, put them in timeout. You have to um, you have to figure out alternatives to punishment so that it actually means something to them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they have ADHD, you know, with ADHD, you know, there's a, there's a whole nother level of how you're, how you have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest part of gentle parenting is learning how they're communicating with you. Mm-hmm. Behaviors are communication. It's the behaviors that we see are them trying to communicate something to you that they don't understand how to communicate to you. And their brains have reached a point in frustration of not being able to communicate with the person who they're supposed to be able to trust that they don't know what else to do. And there's a snap there. There's a, there's a, there's a break there and they just react. Mm -hmm. And that's been the hardest one for me to learn is when my son is super frustrated, he screams and yells. I can't let my frustration out like that. Right. I have to sit here and give him the options and the tools to be able to tell me what he's wanting. We Correct. have a board, we have a board up in our house where all he has to do is point at a picture, and and then he can he can sit here and oh you need the this toy or oh your sister's doing something to bother you, right. and you know there's you've got to open up the ways that they're trying to communicate and give them as many options as they can, right. and as you do that and they are. Um, they are learning that you are trying to communicate with you or with them, then there's a safety that happens there. There's a trust that happens there. There's mm-hmm. a respect that you build there. And then when those hard questions get asked later on down the road, they know that they, they can come to you and have that discussion right. and that you're going to talk to them and listen to them right. because you've shown it repeatedly over and over all of their life. Right. Right. And, and some parents uh, have difficulties with that. They react and they mm-hmm. don't realize their reaction is really causing that child to to uh, take it inside. It goes inward. They then they don't want to express what they're dealing with because they feel it's going to cause a problem. You're gonna, the parents going to be mad at them. So they don't they don't talk. They don't say what they're dealing with. So you brought about some good points there, Shane. So I'm going to jump over to Sebram and ask the same question as well. Uh, let him answer that question as well. Well, um, I, I think one of the biggest tools that I could uh, offer another another father would be to not just utilize your your good qualities, but to utilize your bad qualities uh, as a teaching tool as well. Um, I their mother and myself are not together. We haven't been together since the kids were young and there was a lot of behavior and different things that went on. Uh, just just wasn't good at all. Our communication wasn't good. Um, just a lot of things that I, I regret at this point in my life. So um, my kids were around to see quite a few of those different things. So uh, stuff dealing with that, um, maybe I got upset. Maybe I could have been in traffic and, and yelled out and been upset about something. Somebody cut me off. I always try to ask my kids. So, you know, did you see what dad did just a second ago? Like, how could you have done that better? How could we have done that better? Because a lot of times we lean on all our positive traits and we try to give all that to our kids. When in all actuality, if they are our kids, a lot of those negative traits, they're going to have those as well. And we're not giving them the tools to be able to navigate those things at the same time. So the things that I'm doing um, also, because I'm a human being just like everybody else, like like we all are, we're going to have episodes and things that 
may not have went the way that we wanted it to go or something that went wrong and you know we may feel embarrassed or feel a certain type of way about that happening in front of our children but we can actually use that as a teaching tool and ask mm -hmm. them you know did you see what i did and kind of talk through that like how could we have you know done that right. differently how could we have reached a different outcome and and maybe come to a better outcome than than what dad did you know I, i'm trying not to be afraid of uh, shining a light on some of my bad qualities and letting them know if you happen to have some of these same qualities that I have, good and bad, this is a better way to navigate through those things instead of just trying to ignore them and act like they don't exist because we all have them. So if there's anything that I could pass on to another father, it would be to utilize the good and bad uh, of yourself because it really would help them navigate through life. Right. That's good, Sabre. You're right. You, you have to, you know, let them know that you're human too. Dad does not do everything correctly. Right. As our children learn, we're learning right in the midst with them because every day is a new day that we're learning something new. There's not a day you don't learn something new. If you don't learn, if you're not learning anything, I don't know what's going on with you because if your eyes open and you pinch it to what's going on, you're going to learn. So thank you for sharing that. So I'm going to move right over to Fred and let him answer that question. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've actually asked a question yet, Fred. No, you haven't. All and right. uh, it's going to be, you know, similar to Sebum, but. Uh, I, I think in the emotion aspect, I, I try to show my kids all emotions, you know, growing up, oh, men don't cry. Oh, um, you, you, you're supposed to hold that in and deal with it. Or I, I try to let them see every emotion come out of me, you know, so whether I'm mad and angry, you know, okay. It's not the right way to, to to deal with that, you know what I mean? There's probably a better way I could have dealt with that. I didn't maybe have to lash out. I didn't have to yell this time. I didn't, you know. But I want y'all to understand that I'm still human. I'm still the same way. Y'all get frustrated, you know. If y'all need a moment to yell, hey, say hey, look, I, I just need a little moment. I don't care if you go outside or your room. Sometimes you need that. You need that outlet. Yes. Just to just scream and come back to it and say, all right, you know what? I could talk a little bit or right. I got something to say or I want to share. And, you know, along with emotion, you know, being opinionated is still having emotion. Right. I think I think sometimes we, you know, are afraid of the opinions that our children have because of the emotions they may stir up in us because we may be guilty of what they are saying or, you know, we may have grew up an old way where we didn't weren't allowed to express that opinion or emotion. And, mm -hmm. you know, that it caused, you know, that that emotional trauma within where they feel like okay. they can't release nothing. They can't, you know, um, say anything because, you know, no matter what, you know, it, it's going to be overheard, overlooked, or, you know, as Shane said, you know, your parent can't be wrong. And I tell my, my kids all the time, I say, listen, it's okay to express your opinion. Now, just because you express it don't mean it's going to go your way. You still may have to do what it is that was asked of you, but at least it lets me know how you feel about the situation. You know what I mean? Because it lets me know that if you're in an uncomfortable situation that you will speak out. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, right. but they still have to understand that just because they speak out or say something, it's like being on a job. You could tell your boss, 
Man, I ain't feeling this. You know you're wrong for this one. But you still going to have to go do it, whether you feel like it should have been somebody else that got sent to do that job or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it it's okay, but there's a, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And right. they got to be able to understand that because when you get out here in the real world, just because you're emotional and opinionated don't mean you could do it in the wrong way. That's right. So just let them kids have that emotion. That's right. Let them go ahead and express themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going I'm to reiterate on that too as well. My grandson, he's the youngest. He's very mm-hmm. outspoken. And my daughter from that old school cloth, she didn't get that. I said, you have to let cowboys speak up because he is not. And the truth is he will not let you not let him speak up. And I said, as long as he's not disrespectful, that's fine. Because you get a chance to figure out what's going on in his world. I can't stress that enough. And Cowboy's very comfortable talking with me. And a lot of people say, you know, oh, grandparents are old fashioned. And some grandparents are so lenient because they don't have that job every day. I'll probably have a little bit of both. I don't have that job every day. I tell them, you made these babies. You take care of your babies. Don't drop them off over here with me. I see you at Christmas or Thanksgiving, but don't think that you have a built-in babysitter that I'm here to keep your children. You know, I I still have a life and I still do things and I'm still, you know, inventing and reinventing myself each and every day. So they get, they got that memo and see memos old fashioned. You guys know about the word memo. (laughs) They call it emails now. But uh, you do have to let them speak what's on their mind as long as they are respectful with it. And Cowboy has some things that, that be going on in his head. I, I, man, I have to sit down and just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to let him go with it because he's got a lot he's got to say. But that's part of him growing up in this world to find himself. They're, as little ones, they're still trying to find out who they are. They don't even know why they're here. They just know they're here. So you can't shut them down. can't shut them down at all. So, Greg, tell us about yours. What, what can you share? Well, I think there's two things I would say. First, I would say, I, and I would acknowledge that I made some mistakes with my son in the way that I, um, his personality is very similar to mine. And so we butted heads a lot. I wanted it to be done my way. David wants it to be done his way. Um, I, it took me a, a while to finally figure out that I had to parent him in a in a I had to parent him a lot different than the way that I perceived that I should have parented him or that you know if that makes sense. Yes, he was very he was very different than my than my daughter. She was very compliant, David wasn't. And that's a good thing. David is an adventurous spirit. He's out doing he's a risk taker. And I didn't understand I'm not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing that uh, when it comes to learning. I always, my kids would come to me and ask me a question and I would always turn it on them. I said, well, what do you think? Right. And I would never, I would never do the work for them. I would always make them, I said, you know, if you want some help, you need to come to me with something of a, the beginning of a finished product. It may not be, you may not be that way, that far into it, but at least I want to see that you've done the work. And And I always worked at helping them understand how to find the answers. It wasn't. I think that's what a good coach does. We learn how to ask people good questions that they can find their way to the answer. Um, you know, I think we have to let them be. You've mentioned it, Miss Barb. Uh, you have to let your kids be who they are. Right. We have different hardwired personalities, and we have to understand. I'm going to learn in a different way than somebody else. I'm probably going to learn a different way than everybody that's in this in this conversation. So, be a student. 
one, I think the thing that I didn't do that I should have done with my son is I should have been more of a student of him. Uh, David's a great young man. He's living well today. Um, but I, I, I regret some of the ways that he and I clashed. Um, and then I wasn't as a good of a student of his as I should have been. So what I would say to parents is be a student of your kids and understand right. that you get to parent each one of them in a very different way. Right. Thank you, Greg, for sharing that. But you're right. But at the time when you and your son clashed, that was part of your learning experience, too. For the two of you, you learned a new way of doing things that you were not accustomed to. That's I've shared that before in a different episode. Uh, as parents, we're not given a manual on how to raise each child. There is not a book given to you at the birthing table. Hey, Greg, you just had your son. Here's this book to raise this son. We, we, we go with this as we go. We, I mean, it's as we flow, we go with it and we learn as we go. We still, I'm still learning. My kids are adults and I'm still learning. You know, I have a son and he's not like the girls. I don't expect him to be. All of them are different. Uh, my middle daughter, I call her marshmallow pie. She's so soft. She's so soft. I have my oldest daughter. She's just very robust. She goes at it. She goes at it. And she is Cindy Lopper class because Cindy Lopper has her own mind made. And she, she came to this world like that. And it, it means she has to challenge her mom at seven. That's exactly what she does. She speaks her mind. I don't care how you size it up. I tell my daughter, okay, she's going to tell you how she feels. You know, you guys got to sit down and discuss this. It's just the world we live in. And my son is very much so laid back. I shared with Sean how my son is. He's very laid, laid back. But there are things that he deal with that he internalizes. And I know and I've learned that he's turned out his dad passed away when he you know, was in his teen years and he has not gotten past that yet. And I didn't realize that until his girlfriend said he talks about his dad a lot. So what that tells you that children, they miss their parents. They want their dads in their life. You know, I don't care what people want to say and how they want to judge a dad and put them in a, in a category. Everybody's different. Some dads do things differently. We can't judge them. Some step to the plate and they grab this horse and they ride him out. Some go and hide behind a rock because they're afraid. They don't know how to do this. So I'm hoping that this, this panel that we have here with you guys sharing so much good information. I, I'm, you know, I'm surprised. I'm at the point of tears. I'm getting so emotional just hear you all tell you tell your stories because it's real. It's good. I didn't think it's going to be this good. This is better than I thought it was going to be. So guys, thank you so much for sharing so much good information. And we can play this over and over again for dads down the road. They can play this again because like you mentioned earlier, Fred, Fred you hope that your kids can, can see and hear this. Yes. When we're gone, I feel and hope that this is built here for our kids and our grandkids to listen and pay attention to. So thank you guys for sharing. And so, Michael, I have to let you go ahead and answer that question for us as well. Well, I kind of reiterate a lot of what these gentlemen have said on this panel already. But I, from my perspective, I have found that communication and really, as I said earlier, a real key to, to uh, allow your children to kind of thrive we made it a point as they grew up to let them understand that uh, they could come to us with anything. And that includes, uh, I grew up with daughters, of course. They could come to me with anything. They could come to Diane with anything uh, to make sure that they were free to talk. They were free to get angry. They were free to get upset. They were free to get depressed. They were free to get to feel whatever they were feeling after they got angry, after they felt a little bit better about themselves. They knew that they always had to come talk it out. 
Right. So that every get angry, get mad, get upset, get depressed, get whatever you need, mm-hmm. get it, get it done, get it out, but then come back and let's talk about it. So we always left that door open. And my suggestion and recommendation to any other father that's out there is that you should always leave that door open for your children, no matter what, because once that door closes, I can tell you from a professional standpoint, as well as a personal standpoint, once that door closes, sometimes it's very, very difficult to get back open again. Mm-hmm. So always leave that door open. Always leave the door of, of communication open. Make sure that your kids know that they can come to you with anything, whether it be financial, heartbreaking, um, you know, depression, anger, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Leave the door open for them to come and talk to you about it. Right. Let them feel it. Let them express it. Let them get whatever they feel. Let them get it out. Right. And then let them know that you always need to talk about it, even if you're mad at your parents. That's right. That's or mad right. at your kids. Get mad. Talk about it. Get mad. Relax. Feel better. Talk about it. Right. That's right, Michael. You said a mouthful with that, too, because if you if you have that disconnect, a wall, a tall wall goes up and you can't go through a wall. We know that you can't go through a wall. So you're not communicating with your child or even as an adult or as a young child, and they're not communicating with you. That wall is going up and they're going to take that somewhere else or they're going to, I call it, they're going to internalize it. And internalizing is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So they have to get it off of them. I don't care. You've got to talk about it. If they got, I'll tell you, if you got to write it on paper, go in there and write it on paper, how you may feel, put it on paper. And another thing I remember we talked about, you know, discipline, Shane had mentioned earlier, you know, I, I tell my daughters and, you know, but my grandkids, if they're doing something that, you know, that's irritated you, you want to discipline them and really irritates them to, to no avail. Give them a book and tell them to go read. See, that's old school for me. That's what we did. We had to go read. And so you take them off of their electronics and say, go read a book. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about getting their attention. That's worse than sometimes as a spanking to say, put the electronics down and go read this book. And when you read this book, I want you to write me a story about the first chapter you read. That's a lot of work. They don't want to do that. Cowboy does not give my daughter any problem because he knows that it's called go read a book. Not that he doesn't want to read it, but he, I mean, that's, that's taking him off their game plan right there, Michael. I, I got really lucky because I didn't have to threaten to take away the electronics. Um, and they're too old for me to threaten to take them away now. Yes, so. yes. Yeah, you did. You did good. But some, sometimes you have to get their attention. So that's one of the things. So uh, I'm going to, guys, this is what I do. I always add um, something from the word on all my podcasts. So I am going to add this one to my uh, podcast here. And it's, it's from Proverbs 26, 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. These are things that, you know, we, we, we find out sometimes later on. We don't get it when we're young with kids. We kind of just, you know, move past all of it, do it our way. But I still believe going back to the word, it does work. It, it does work when we add the word to that. And then I have this next one I'm going to share with you guys. It's Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, a lot of people don't don't, you know, go with these scriptures. But this is this is how I always bring my podcast to an end. I, I give it 
I give I give God the glory that he's given me the ability to bring this about and share this with others. So I hope you guys are OK with that as well. So uh, we're getting ready to wrap this up, guys. We have a little bit over an hour. And now the last one here, I'm going to ask you guys to tell our listeners and viewers where they can catch your podcast or your, you know, website, what you do so they can connect with you guys one on one. So I'm going to start with you, Fred. So can you share with them you know, about your podcast and how they can catch up with you? What platforms you're on? Uh, I'm Fred Scott on Facebook, uh, Mr. Humble Beginnings on uh, Instagram, and uh, What's Happening is on uh, all podcast platforms. That's W-H-U-S-H-A-T-T-N-I-N, um, and that's where you can find us. You can shoot us an email, what's happening at gmail.com. Um, we'd be glad to, you know, communicate with you, talk with you, and uh you know, see see what it's out there to learn from. All right, great. Thanks for sharing that, Fred. Appreciate it. Greg, can you share with us about you know your platform? I sure can. Um, so my mission statement: I help people discover their true self and God's purpose for their lives through guided conversations regarding clarity, confidence, and congruence between their vocational choice and who God made them to be. Um, I'm on all the social platforms: Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, uh, Gregory S. Woodard at Facebook, and then uh, Twitter, also Gregory S. Woodard. My uh, my Instagram handle is, uh, I'm not very active there, but my Instagram handle is Greg underscore Woodard, and they can find out more about me at gregwoodard.com. All right, great. Thank you for sharing. Shane, tell us where to reach you and how people can touch, touch bases with you on your platform. Um, you know, my platform is all of social media. Um, I, my business is named Creating Order from Chaos. I am, uh, my website is www.creatingorderfromchaos.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Creating Order from Chaos Coaching. And you can find me on TikTok at Creating Order from Chaos. All right. Great. Thanks so much. Sabrum, can you share with us how to reach you? I sure can. Uh, you can look up Firm Fatherhood, one word, Firm Fatherhood on Instagram and Facebook, and we have our podcast episodes uploaded on SoundCloud. Uh, if you want to hit us up, some certain topics that you might want to broach, uh, talk about and discuss, um, farmfatherhood at gmail.com. Hit us up. Uh, let's talk about it. All right. Great. Thank you for sharing. And Michael? Uh, thank you very much. My podcast is One More Thing Before You Go. It's a unique conversation about life and death and everything in between. That one more thing, the personal journeys and everything of how you can overcome triumph over tragedy. So you can reach me at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's one word, beforeyougopodcast.com. I'm on every platform that's out there, uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you name it, it's on it. Um, there'll be links to it on the website itself and a way to contact me if you have a personal journey you want to share with me there. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to thank everyone for uh, being a part of this today. You guys have shared so much good information. It's, it's been awesome here. Um, and then what we're going to do here is kind of wrap this up because we're kind of gone over the time. But I kind of knew we would go over that because it's, 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 a, <clears throat> it's a topic that we have a lot to share and more to share. And this is a topic that can really evolve and go into different directions. So I want to thank each and one of you for being a part of this episode today. How Dad's earned that title. I really appreciate that. And I just want to ask one last question before we go, guys, and I'm going to make it real quick and simple here. What do you feel has given you that 
in your heart and your spirit, just you know that you have earned that title, fatherhood. What? Give me one thing that you feel you know without a doubt. You have earned that. You have worked harder. You've earned that title called fatherhood. Now, I'm gonna start with you, Steve. Can you answer that for me real quick, here, sir? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, just the fact that I, the first thing that I think about every morning uh, before my feet hit the floor, my kids. How can I better our situation? How can I push this forward? How can I educate them? Uh, first thing on my mind before my feet hit the floor every day. So they're part of the master plan. Uh, I know I'm a father when I know that that can happen every single day. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Shane, can you share with us that one thing that you know without a doubt, you have truly earned that title to be called a father. I don't care what nobody else have to say. Um, honestly, this is going to sound super weird. Um, I had a, my kids just had an evaluation for how they're doing at three, um, going, getting ready for preschool and stuff like that. And all of the, the teachers, the psychiatrists, the, the therapists, the physical therapists, the occupational therapists, they, they out and out told me you're doing amazing and you're doing a great job. These kids are doing so much better with, um, all of the things that you've told us, all the things that you do with them every day. And that, um, you know, a lot of us doubt ourselves and being able to be told by like actual professionals that your kids are doing great. Mm -hmm. it, it made me really understand and feel like I was doing something right. I was being a good dad. And that, that was my, that was my moment. That was great. That's great to hear, especially get it from somebody else that's on the outside looking in. So that's good. That's good. Fred, can you share with us one thing that you feel that has really resonated with you in your heart and your spirit that I know I've earned that title fatherhood? Um, no matter what, whenever they look back, they always going to be able to say that I was there, you know, just to be able to know that, you know, hey, I know my dad. I know he was there day in, day out. They see me 24-7, sun up to sundown, you know, take them to school, pick them up from practices. I was there, you know what I mean? Not just for support, emotion, you know, financial, I, whatever, however you want to slice that pie, I was there, you know, in the household on day in, day out basis. I'm, I'm right here. That's huge. That's great. Thanks so much, Fred. You're very much so hands-on. And Greg, I want you to share that same question. You answer to that same question as well. What, what one thing that you know without a doubt you have earned that title called father? Well, um, neither of my kids are in jail. They're both flourishing as adults. Mm -hmm. And my daughter's <laughs> getting ready to marry the love of her life. And um, she, you know, I, I, I stood back and watched both of them launch into adulthood and they have, uh, they hit it out of the park and I can't wait to see the next, the next chapter as they grow into their own adult journey. Right, right. Yes, right. You got work cut out for you, Greg. <laughs> All right, Michael, share with us that one thing that you know, and I, I've talked to you before. You told me about how your girls have got to help you to get out that wheelchair and that's huge, but share that one thing that you know, that you know, you've earned that title called father. I will say that uh, through eight operations, through a diagnosis of five doctors that I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, that one thing that makes me know that I'm a great, good father is that my children didn't blink an eye and were there for me every step of the way, pushing me in the wheelchair, helping me with rehab, 
encouraging me to move forward and eventually walking my oldest daughter down the aisle. I haven't looked back since, and I attribute that to my children in, the, in their compassion, their humanity, and their, their love for me. That tells me that I'm a good father because they are there for me more than I can ever imagine. That's huge. And I can tell that's very emotional to you still today to, to walk that journey and know that your your kids were there for you every step of the way. Because I can tell you that some kids, when they get grown and go on their own, they are gone that way. And, you know, I have an episode coming up down the road. It says taking care of those that took care of us. And that's important to me because we have to look back at those that took care of us and feel okay with doing something for them and not feeling that they owe us anything or or some type of obligation. We're doing it from our heart. So thank you for sharing it, Michael. And thanks everyone to be, for being on this podcast. I said, we can go on and on this, but I think that we've made an impact. We, we've made statements here that others that have listened to this or will tune into this later, because we're going to continue to to share this uh, podcast episode with others. But thank you guys so much for being a part of this of Life and Wisdom Speaks. And this particular episode, how do fathers earn that title? And you guys have shown us what you do day in and day out to earn that title to be called father. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You guys make me feel special. So thank you guys. I appreciate that. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, play my outro. We're going to go ahead and, and wrap this up. Okay, here we go. You've been listening to another episode of the Life and Wisdom Speaks podcast with your host, Barb Cole. Thank you to our listeners and sponsors. And don't forget to share and sign up for upcoming episodes of Laws of Life with your host, Barb Cole and guests as we all grow towards a new mindset, towards a new you.